This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm Luke from the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. And I'm Jonathan Davis, not Jonathan Davis of Corn. <laughs> yeah, I got somebody emailing me back and saying, uh, hey, is that the guy from Corn? Uh, I don't even know what Corn is, so I, uh, you're the only Jonathan Davis for me. <laughs> Thank you. Corn, maize, you know. Ah, okay. He's a farmer. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Famous <laughs> corn farmer. Got it. <laughs> So yeah, it's great to have Jonathan on because um, when me and Jesse have been talking among ourselves, as when we're talking about our favorite um, audiobook narrators, a few names pop up. Uh, and generally on the top of the list is, of course, Jonathan Davis. So it's really great to have him here on the podcast. And he's just narrated a story for us as well, which is pretty cool. Well, it's, been, it's really great to be here. I, I listen to your podcast. I really enjoy it, both of them. And, uh, and uh, so it's, it's really great to be here. And Jesse, I'm sorry, Luke, I, I yeah. saw your uh, your juggling website the other day and I was extremely impressed. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks a lot. Yeah, that's my that's my real job when I'm when I'm not doing uh, audio book podcasts or book review podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm a, I am a professional juggler, which yeah. uh, I guess. But again, what happens to me is when people find out that I'm a professional juggler, they ask the same list of questions and they all think the same list of questions. So what, what are the questions that you always get? What kind of questions do you always get when people find out that you're a professional voice actor or a, or a narrator, audiobook narrator? Do you get a set series of questions? On, <laughs> well, and what, what should we avoid during this, uh, during the, this discussion? The first is, and I don't know if you get this, but the first is, how do I become a, an audiobook narrator? <laughs> <laughs> what can, how can you help me become one? Um, you know, and, uh, well, I get that. I get that from other jugglers and other entertainers. It's like, oh, well, you know, I want to do that job or I want to work doing an entertainer for a living. But, uh, exactly. yeah, it, I guess it take. I guess it takes a lot. Well, so how do you do that? I mean, does do you, did you, how did you get into it or did you practice or when did you realize that you first could become a, uh, an audiobook narrator or a voice actor or did it come oh. out of real acting? It did come out of real acting. I was, uh, I, I, I'd always wanted to be an actor since I was a child. Um, uh, a lot of people in my family were in the performing arts and, um, I performed in, as a theater actor for, for many years doing regional theater in, in the United States. And, um, it was around then that, um, you know, I discovered there were other mediums and other friends of mine who, friend of mine who were actors recommended the world of voiceover. And I've been doing voiceovers, um, commercials, promotionals, documentaries, animated series, uh, industrials, just the whole, the whole, uh, routine of doing the voiceover medium. I've been doing that since for about 20 years now. And when I moved to New York City and my, the agent that I was working with at the time introduced me to the world of, of audiobooks. It was my first audiobook was, um, was a John Grisham novel and I had to, and he had to approve it. So it was very exciting. Uh, this is when he was very hot at the time. It was a wonderful book called Testament. Um, and, uh, anyway, that was the beginning and I, I fell in love with the medium. And so when uh, you said he had to approve it, did you like give a sample or an audition or did you do the whole thing? And then he listened to the whole thing and then he said, yeah, the whole thing is okay. I know in that case, it was just, just a sample. It was just an audition for him to say yes he can he's he's appropriate for this novel it was a very specific story it, it had to do with um it wasn't his 
typical fare, it had to do with um, uh, searching for a lost missionary in Brazil, in the jungles of Brazil. I guess he had a few books that he wrote about where he was fascinated with that country for a while. And so uh, that was it. And, and I, I speak Brazilian Portuguese. And so it was, it, was, it was very familiar to me, that world. So I was very fortunate and very happy to get it. But is that how is that how you got it? They're like, hey, we need someone who can do all the um, all the all the language all the other languages as well. Absolutely, that was very important in this case. Uh, they they needed somebody who was very familiar, not just with Portuguese, but with Brazilian Portuguese. And it was a big. It, it, the language had 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 a lot to do with with the novel. Uh, regretfully for me, I didn't end up recording it because I got laryngitis in the middle of it. So, but so I, I actually did not complete that job, but it but it actually led me into the world of audiobooks. And oh, so we can't narration. find your version. We can't I couldn't find, your find it on Audible. No, you <laughs> can't. That's why I wanted to say, don't people don't go out and look for it. I, I, yeah, I, I I never actually completed it. Um, but that's that was my introduction to it, and from that, I, my first book that I ever did was called Gone for Soldiers. It was a Civil War historical fiction by Jeff Shara. Uh, whose father had Michael Shara had done some seminal books on uh, historical fiction based based on uh, the Civil War and uh, in the United States. And so that was really my very first book that I ever did. That's available on Audible. That it is. says it came out in 2000. So you've been yeah. at this for 12 years. Yes, I have. Yeah. So so what's the difference like for um, I know this is a weird question, but like you, you said you were doing voiceovers and for, you know, like different diff lots of different kind of things for commercials. Um, do, is that like, you, of course, you're doing those that seem to be much shorter jobs because you're not sitting in a booth, but a booth for a week recording a, a, a an audio book. But then I get those ones. I guess you don't get your name attached with credits in the same way. Like at the beginning of every audio book, it's always like presented by Audible or whatever the, the you know, Blackstone audio, whatever it's going to be by this person narrated by this person produced by this person and it's like your name is like right under the authors but i guess this is something that's quite unique to audiobooks i guess absolutely yes perhaps you know long form narration so if it's a documentary you know i've done some things for national geographic channel so if i did that then yes there there may be uh, actually that would be a visual in that case you yeah know, but um Yes, and also it'll probably, probably be in the it'll probably be in the end credits as well, or maybe in the start credits. But it's like it, it's right off the bat with with audiobooks. It's like this is who you're listening to. Have fun for the next twelve hours. Uh, exactly. This is this is the storyteller. This is you know yeah. this is the person that's going to engage you in this fascinating tale. Absolutely. That's great. So the first big book that I think anybody who's listening to this podcast uh, probably knows about, if they haven't read it, like me, I haven't read it or listened to it, is Snow Crash, which is the very next book uh, I can see on your resume here. Yes, that's correct. I was one of my favorites still. Wow. Uh, just an incredible experience. Um, uh, I just I love Neil Stevenson's work and. Um, it was just so exciting to do and just a really great character work. And each chapter was written in, um, in the point of view of the character that, that they were exploring. Um, and, and some really wild characters, you know, from a, 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 an urban samurai to uh, this pizza delivery girl, very kind of valley girl to a, an Aleutian assassin to a Ted Turner-like character and kind of a mafioso kind of pizza, they're pizza delivery guys, but they're kind of like 
old school mafia, you know, kind of the mob. <laughs> so really fascinating, you know. Yeah, it was a great story. And the great thing about that one, in terms of that when we recorded it, we used an oral microphone, which was shaped like a head. It's this special mm-hmm. microphone where um, you can, every region of the microphone that you approach when you actually listen to it, the sound, the audio will, will come from that direction. It's very directional. So if I, and so you can, if I walked around it, you know, it, it would actually sound as though the sound is really going to reverberate and, and surround you. Huh. It was really yeah. fascinating. Uh, they, they use them for uh, like musical recordings with like uh, they put them next to the, um, like next to the conductor in an orchestra and you can get what the conductor hears in the stereo exactly how they hear it because it's all like all the where the where the musicians are seated all the way around well not all the way around the conductor but yeah i've heard some recordings like that and it's eerie because it really does you close your eyes and it's and it's eerie how 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 much it puts you within the sound uh within a soundscape like that it's very clever it is yeah, so, it's really, we didn't use it for everything, but for a lot of the uh, throughout, it, like in chapter changes or if there were specific uh, portions of the text that had to do with, you know, something that was a bit more mythical. We would use mm. those. We would use that microphone. Like so you librarian. would still be getting feedback from that book, right? Excuse me? You're still getting feedback from that book. It's, it's, it's one of the ones that, you know, people are going to go to again and again, right? I, I Yes, yes. It's, it's, uh, it's still it's still probably one of the the prime or primary audiobooks that introduces me to introduces the listener to to my work has been through snow crash i'm just going to look through my my podcast list here and see which was the first book that i listened to um of yours i mean i'd read lots of books which you had also narrated but not as a not as an audiobook i guess um the uh let me think here um the, uh, the shadow I, I, of the torturer which which was oh by, yeah that's uh, a recent yeah, with the uh, with the that, but I think the first one was the Wind Up Girl. Uh, can you tell yes. us a bit about that? Because that was a very interesting reading. That I think that was the probably the second full audio book that I listened to, um, and it was uh, yeah, and that was yours. I love Paolo Paolo Bacigalupi wrote that, and it, it, I just love that that novel. Um, and it's funny because it it's such a I found it very innovative in many ways because a lot of the you know what we would say science fiction of it. Uh, it has a very realistic bent. That's what I really enjoyed about it is that I, it wasn't like doing something that was space travel or, you know, uh, uh, a, a black hole or an, or an alternate universe where, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a bit far fetched much of that, but, but the wind up girl, the story and the, and the world that he created, I said, this is feasible, you know, just in terms of, of world where, um, uh, where climate change really destroys the the most uh, powerful nations or cities so that, for instance, in this uh, tsunamis tend to, because of climate change, destroy the coastal towns in the United States and most of the most powerful cities in the world, London, you know, uh, Paris, it, and, and they destroy the coast. So in the United States, the seat of power in the United States in this book is Iowa City. Which is, you know, because because it's landlocked or or uh, Thailand in this book becomes a, a huge power because they put all their resources and money into protecting their nation from 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 natural catastrophe. That's just one section of it. One segment. It has to do a lot with genetic abusing, genetic cloning and genetic uh, engineering. 
so yeah. that, for instance, you know, a lot of countries uh, ban genetic cloning having to do with human life. But in this case, Japan in this in this book abuses it to use it for the sex trade. So yeah. Yeah, there are all of these geisha girls that are created genetically, you know, or, or it's done for fashion or perhaps mm. um. It's more of a prestige project, isn't it? Like, if you have one of these, you're seen as the, you know, it's a um, a status symbol. If you have one of these wind-up girls, uh, is seem to be, like, despite the sex and despite the fashion, it's it's a, you know, a prestige object, like a, a statement. Absolutely. Or, or just, you know, cloning, you know, a, a pink dog just as an accessory, you know, as yeah. to accessorize, you know, in a way. And then it has to do a lot with genetic um, food, you know, how pretty much the there's so much drought and so much devastation because of the climate that all of these uh, big agro businesses that create genetic food, they're profiting from all of this. They're profiting from famine so that you have to buy everything. You know, it, it, it's it's it was really fascinating and just a dystopian world and uh, and wonderfully written and great characters. Yeah, I really, I really loved, loved it. But what, one thing that you uh, which is uh, uh, interesting about that book is that one of the one character that I thought was one of the most interesting characters is is killed off half the way through. And you're like, oh, I really like that character. I wish they could have stuck around a bit longer. And then that character comes back in a way which for me was totally surprising but i was just like right i gotta go with this because it was uh it was a, a really interesting twist um again i don't want to give away too much if, you, if if people haven't read it but i i thought that was a really interesting uh a twist there how he brings this character back again uh absolutely in the novel. yeah absolutely. Uh, so what another thing that i remember about that when you said um these uh, these wind-up girls these uh genetically engineered people are um, for the sex trade, there was quite a bit of um, steamy uh, scenes in that. Or there's uh, <laughs> I, I, a few of them stick in my mind. Uh, what, what yeah, do you, yeah. how do you approach that? Because for me, it was really weird. Because you know, in lo- walking around in public and sort of like someone's described, well, you in this case, which is a bit weird. <laughs> but yeah, someone's describing quite a, you know, quite a um, a graphic sex scene to me as I was. I don't know sitting on a cruise ship or something like that. I don't even. I can't even remember where I was when it was. <laughs> but I remember thinking, mm, "This is a bit in mid juggle." Yeah, it was. It was one of those things that's like, okay, I've never, I've never had this problem listening to audio books before because, like I say, it was one of the earliest audio books. So when it gets to the steamy sex scene, like if you're just reading a book, normally you're just sitting down and you're just flicking through and go, "Oh, that's quite interesting," you know. Um, but when you're sort of like walking down the street and uh, and you get to that kind of thing, I don't know, maybe that's a weird thing <laughs> right. to bring up in this conversation. But uh, uh, yeah, it was, how do you ha- it was... how do you handle the sex scenes when it's just one actor? <laughs> yeah, it was a bit weird. Oh. Yeah, I try to relax into it, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And the only time that I really get worked up about thinking thinking about what I've done is perhaps if my in laws are listening to it, which they occasionally do. (laughs) Oh, they they, yeah. If they yeah, if that would be a bit weird. It's like, hey, mum, this is really great work, but don't listen to it. Don't listen to this. Exactly. Just briefly, there was a um, I I did one project, a Bret Easton Ellis book, who I I really love his stuff, and and it really lends to audio. That's another thing is, you know, some some novels really lend to audio. Some it's a bit more difficult, but some really make great audio. And his books do, I I find. Um, And um, there's just a a style, you know, and almost a gimmick to his writing that really lends to it. And books like American Psycho and and Glamorama, which is the book that I did. Glamorama is almost like Zoolander, if you've seen that movie. I have mm-hmm. a feeling that Zoolander was based on Glamorama. It's I'm not definite, but the story is the same. It's about a supermodel 
who's kind of recruited to become an international assassin and anarchist. And it's, it's pretty fascinating and very funny and very disturbing. But there's, there are these, just like in American Psycho, there's just page upon page, just graphic violence, you know, and just very um, methodical uh, descriptions about what the character is doing. There's the same in Glamorama, and there's, there are these scenes, these sex scenes and these orgies that are just described in, gra- in vast detail. And I was doing uh, this 12-page sex scene about Glamorama. <laughs> it was, and by the, end of, by the end of it, by the climax, the, my engineer fainted. <laughs> I, you know, I finally, you know, it was, it was kind of like, ah, you know, it, it all ended, you know, and then, you know, and then the next thing I hear is, bum, bump. Oh, terrible! Thumping, and I and I look up, and my engineer had fainted. So wow. you know, just, just how it, draining did, something like that can be. Yeah, I mean, was that just a straight read? I mean, you you'd probably already read it through, and you knew what was coming up, or were you sort of repeating parts over and over? I mean, what what's yes, the process I what, there? I knew what was coming. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's quite funny. <laughs> um, no, yeah, no, it was a, it was a very, yeah, it was just it, his books are just very. Um, uh, they just are, are grinding. It's like a grind, you know, because it's just, mm. it's, it's re- repetitive and just, and finally you just reach the end and it's, 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 it's almost a matter of relief when you reach the end of, of, uh, of a chapter in his books. Um, I, I, you know, I was thinking while well, Luke was going through his list of, of audiobooks that he discovered you in, um, I, I probably heard you when you did some Star Wars thing years and years ago, but, um, I was thinking, you know, the one that after I, I, you know, I'd probably heard one or two audiobooks that uh, are more like the one I'm listening to now, which is um, uh, the Genghis Khan and the Making of the Modern World by Jack Weatherford. That one mm-hmm. is basically you don't have to do any voices. It's just history. So I think there's like maybe one or two quotes and you sort of you sound a little mongoly, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you sound a little scarier than just the, the, the straight narrative voice. Right. But um, other than those kinds of books, um, I think it was the Star Wars where you have to, you have to be Luke Skywalker. You have to be uh, Han Solo and, you know, two or three other major Star Wars characters. And then there's the new characters for that book. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're doing impersonations. Yes, in that case, it is. It is almost as a, yes, it is. Um, or you, you attempt to, you know, and I know for the Star Wars books, we did um, spend time, you know, listening to audio or watching video of, of specific characters that I was that I was working on uh, or uh, really working on Yoda. You know, that was that was a character that that appeared <laughs> in lots of the ones that I that I worked. Everybody on. likes to do Yoda. I think. Oh, yes. Or yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Work on and, Yoda. You did. <laughs> a new book you will narrate. Mm. <laughs> there you go. But uh, so yes, and and C three PO, and then there was or or to try to listen to a lot of the books that I did had the the young Obi Wan, so I would listen to Ewan McGregor a bit, or maybe listen to Liam Neeson, hmm. you know. And then there are some, you know, and, and then some characters I I tried not to attempt as much. Um, yeah. Question well, there's, though, there's, with, with yeah. did in those Star Wars books, did you ever get to the point where you have to say like some of the alien language? Which because I realized this um, quite a bit when you see this stuff. Sometimes the the alien languages 
uh, first of all, very unconvincing because it's just like boobly blah 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 or uh, waka 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 and waka 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 <laughs> means like it's like a really complex sentence, but it's just waka 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 waka. And um, and I just been editing a, a, a whole. I edited the entire episode one um into a different movie and there's some bits of it where the voice the voiceover is just painful there's this one point there's a, a pod race is crashing a, a pod racer is crashing and the, and the racer just goes Gah! and then explodes and uh, what i just did there was it, it, better voice acting than than you actually get in episode it's just terrible <laughs> well and i'm, I'm surprised i i'm starting to drop i'm just thinking i i think yeah. the the ones that i was involved with um no, this they, is the movie. This isn't the audiobook. Oh, I was this talking is the about movie. The, yeah, the movie. And I'm just saying, like, uh, you, I, I think they should just have got you in or someone in to just to, like, <laughs> go, okay, we've got all these really, really terrible voice acting. Let's just get someone to just, like, just dub them in a bit better. Because it is literally someone just goes, boom, and, and, and it, it doesn't even sound like anyone's in danger. It doesn't sound like anyone's, you know, anyone actually is thinking or seeing anything. It just, like, it, it just sounds like someone has gone, hey, so there's going to be a pod racer that's going to crash. So why don't you do uh, like an alien voice of an alien who's just about to crash? And the voiceover artist just gone, what, something like this? Oh, yeah, that's it. That's good enough. And it's like, no, 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 that wasn't it. That wasn't it. That was, I was just, you know, and then they go, no, no, that's it. We'll just use that. And it seems that's the kind of level of there. So I, ju I was just wondering if you like when you had alien languages to do, if you actually, uh, uh, I know you, you created something in your mind. You created the meaning of the language in your mind. I'm not sure how it will work out. We, we did occasionally. I mean, uh, luckily, most of the sound effects, uh, you know, we, we were working w with Lucasfilm on those audiobooks. So they provided John Williams music was he, he composed music, you know, so that was used. All um, the lightsabers, you know, all of that, that they, they had access to, to the vast library from um, Skywalker Ranch. So they, they were they, they had access to all that. So most of that was was there. Um, in terms of creating, you know, a, a lot of these worlds where where there were um, aliens that had, did not appear in the films, then yes, we had to create a world. I remember one one of the there was a trilogy where there were these bug characters, and we had to do different and you know and and obviously I was working with fantastic sound engineers that were creating sound effects to alter my voice too. So it wasn't always you know there was a lot of sound effects added onto it. You know, or if I had to do Darth Vader, I would do as much as I could. But they really, they really. Oh, uh, they took it those final steps. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, to make it to make it sound like C-3PO. They would add something that would sound a bit more mechanical. Yeah. You know? um, well, that's great. Well, talking more about the voices, what what I found really impressive is like uh, like Jesse just said before, it's like what books I discovered you in. But there's actually some books which have recommended to me, and I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. And then I see it's narrated by Jonathan Davis, and I'm like, oh okay, I'll I'll just do it then. I'll trust I'll just trust <laughs> it. I'll just trust you to get me through a novel, even if it's not a great novel. I'll I'll trust you to get through it. Um, which was, for example, um, what was it, The Calculating God? Uh, one which I wasn't I wasn't too interested in, but then I thought, okay, I'll do it. Um, which we talked about yesterday in the podcast, so I won't repeat any of that. But also, when uh, one book that I actually really enjoyed, which, which is When Gravity Fails by George Alec Effinger. That's one I uh, want to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's thank really you, great. thank you, thank you for those kind words to begin with. And and actually, that book I love that trilogy, um, the When Gravity Fails and then yeah. um, uh, Fire in the Sun. Uh, and, and it was, I, I, unfortunately, I forgot the last book. The Exile's um, Kiss is the last. But one. it's it's a great trilogy. The Exile Kiss. Exile Kiss. The Exile yeah. Kiss. And and um and and it you know he died uh, while he was going to continue, and he unfortunately passed away. And it's it's a great tragedy in a way for many reasons. But 
but I wish that series would have continued. I really loved it. Um, yeah. It was really fascinating. It reminded me a lot of the of the Wind Up Girl, or other uh, another author who I like a lot is Ian McDonald, who they com- who they compare Paolo to and Effinger. Um, you know where they where it's almost like this alternate reality where it's plausible, where they pick another culture as if that culture was the superpower. And in the yeah. and in Effinger's books, it was the Islamic world. What if the Islamic world was ascendant? Well, I didn't really see if it was Islamic world. I thought it was more of sort of like North African um, Arabic world is the way that I looked at it. Because there was the um, Islam part of it, but it felt much more Arab than Islam to me. And I think it actually says it's in North Africa. I I was thinking like um, an previously unknown city in Egypt um, or somewhere there. Um, But I thought that was very uh, interesting, especially when, you know, of course, with all the Arab Spring kind of thing, and you realize that some of these have become a bit more open or you're not really sure, you know, all the stuff going on in Egypt at the moment. But I thought it was very... um, insightful to just not always use um uh, uh the same old cultures like oh we're in england or we're in america or in europe yes. or something to take yes. to take these different places and what i, I really enjoy this going back to the voices is that in there you can really like uh, like the voices of uh like married uh was it married Audron Madre and Audron. The, yeah yeah and and the yeah. other and the other characters in there like really came to life because like you said okay this guy is a he's from a, a like a different religion and suddenly like the voice that you had put on it really kind of brought that religion to life or that different slightly different culture he's from like this guy is from India or well not even India just yes. like a different part of uh, a different a part Bedouin. of the city yeah perhaps, oh, Bedouin that perhaps, was it yeah Perhaps he's more tribal than 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 somebody who's more urbane from an urbane yeah. region. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that was that I, was very I, I interesting. It, what's uh, it's interesting bringing that up. I mean, I think it's. I'm curious to see when you speak to other narrators if you, if you ask them about this too. But in terms of technique, in terms of how they how they come to telling a story, because there's a variety of ways in terms of how people narrate, and there are some people that read. You know, that just read the story mm-hmm. and it's it's very straight, you know, and, and it's almost as though you're just reading reading the words without really uh, infusing anything. Mm-hmm. Then there's some people that really perform it, that it's almost like theater, you know, where they're on stage. And, and actually, there is even some studios where um, this is kind of a technical thing, but some people don't. You know, so I prefer to use headphones when I'm recording because it, ha- it adds an intimacy and I get and I get to gauge I hear myself, so I'm gauging myself in terms of my performance. Some studios don't want you to use headphones, and it, you're almost projecting into the mic like you're on stage. You know, so there does there is this kind of theatrical sense, and then there's the other kind, which is kind of an in between, which is what I I try to uh, to um, create is is the narration, which is somewhere in between, where it's almost like cinema. Um, where instead, you know, my, my, this is kind of off, but Michael Caine used to talk about the difference between uh, acting for the stage and acting for film is that acting on stage was operating with a scalpel and acting in film is operating with a laser. And it's that preciseness and that specificity that I think is interesting in terms of narration. And once again, it's very subjective. Everybody has different uh, approaches. But even speaking about what you talked about, the When Gravity Fails trilogy, sometimes talking about cinema, uh, and I know there are some other colleagues of mine that do the same, we almost cast it in our head, you know, like, and it's finding, 
It's finding the subtleties instead of casting in a broad stroke, casting it in a very subtle stroke. Like who, who, who do I actually see performing these lines or saying this story? And what would their attitude and their emotions be and even their tonality without going overboard, you know? And it's, mm. it's a process. It's a huge process. Everybody kind of through years, you know, as I, as we, you've mentioned, I've been doing it since two, since 2000. So every book is an, is a new process and a new discovery in terms of discovering technique. One, one of the ones uh, I was actually going to compare, you know, the Star Wars you did, which is, it's a cast that's already been cast, but there's yeah. a book series that you did that's very much like Star Wars that's not Star Wars, that you invented all the voices for, along with the author's, you know, whatever the author put in. And that's the Mike Resnick Starship series, which I'm a big fan of, Mm. uh, in large part because of how great the narration is. It's full of, it's a real voice-based book. There's, it's almost all dialogue. There's almost no description of anything. And it's characters interacting, and that's you talking to yourself, basically. So it's an when, alien crew, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's just like the enterprise, you know, you have to think of it like Star Trek enterprise and just, you know, each person and each, it is an alien world, a vast mm-hmm. alien universe. So you're, you're right. Yeah. And I, I think, I think Star Trek actually fueled me a lot with that. Just in, just in knowing that it was about, um, these different, uh, yeah, these different worlds that come together under a unity, you know, like there's a union that, you know, mm-hmm. something that bonds them all. And, and they may, just like in Star Wars, they may be some kind of translator for them, but, but they do retain their specific alienness, you know, if that, if yeah, there was one, there was one that was like, a he was attached to the ceiling and, and yes. he only, he only <laughs> said, said, you know, these cryptic lines and yeah. perhaps was in love with the captain or something. It was very, uh, it was like that, that's a very distinctive voice. And then there was the, there was the David, uh, oh, David Copperfield, right. David Copperfield yes. Who, who I guess, you know, he's an alien pretending to be David Copperfield. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he insists that the captain of the ship is his friend from David Copperfield. Exactly. And then, you know, there's and then there's the um, uh, there's the pilot who I like. Mm-hmm. He was a smaller character who was like this. Like you said, he lived in a pod and he had this very difficult name that no one could really pronounce. So they just called him pilot, you know, and, and everybody would always attempt to say his name. Uh yeah, there were some wonderful characters in it. It's a, it's a, it's an amazingly good listen. I don't know if I would have enjoyed it even half as much if I had read it at, in a paper book. But as audiobooks, they were just totally consumable, and and you get it. It, it is. I would assume that that's the kind of audiobook you enjoy narrating. Is that is that is that right? Or are you more? Do you just care more about the content, like? Nonfiction doesn't matter, or is it just the the, the fun playing all those characters? What, which is your preference? <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. Um, I, I really like all the genres. I enjoy them all um, for for the different reasons that you that you're mentioning. You know, sometimes when you do something like that, it's it's great to to have a great cache of characters that you can mm-hmm. that you can invent. Um, you know, doing a really great nonfiction is exciting too. You know, in in a in a different fashion. Um, what I loved about doing the Genghis Khan book was being in touch with Jack Weatherford. I've been able to to connect with a lot of the authors and to to have dialogues about about the the topic that they're bringing up, and it's fascinating. I I did um this was a wonderful series. I did I did a a, gr- a great um, 
a number of books for Oliver Sacks, the the neurologist. Right. Who, if you knew the know the movie Awakenings with Robin Williams and Robert and Robert De Niro, the Robert the Robin Williams character is Oliver Sacks, and he's a fantastic uh, uh, neurologist and and um, writer, chemist, etc. And uh, and I, I was a huge fan of his and really enjoyed listening to him. So when I was asked to narrate uh, his oeuvre, it was I, I came into it knowing his voice, you know, and I was in touch with him and, and his colleagues, too. So it was, it was really a that was great, too. So I, I really enjoy all the genres. I really I enjoy the the fact of doing the Morita Drawn series or uh, these dystopian novels like uh, Shadow of the Torturer that you mentioned or The Wind Up Girl or The Watchers, which I just did because they're um, they do have characters, but there's they're a bit on more on the subtle side where I think a lot of the, the the alien stuff is really out there. You know, you can go really out there and be very broad. I kind of like having the opportunity to do to do both. Um, and I've, I've been fortunate that to work with some wonderful production houses and publishing houses who they tend to cast you for different things, which is great. Personally, you know, oh. look, you're doing the scar right now, right? Yeah. Love the scar. Yes. Oh, let me just go, like, to, just to go back to Mike Resnick. I, I really enjoyed Kieran Young. I thought you did that, but I just looked oh, it up and it, and it did, wasn't. Did no, you do? No, 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 no that wasn't. I, but I did read, I did, well, I did read, I listened to Starship uh, Mutiny, the first book, and you know something? You say it was really fun. I can't remember anything about it except that it was just a guy who always won because he was awesome and just always got through because he was awesome when we were told he was awesome at the beginning and then he just continued being awesome all the way through and at the end was awesome. And that's it. I, I can't actually remember any of the aliens or any of the other characters or any of the scenes or even anything about it. So, but again, that was a book which I wasn't quite sure I'd like, but because it was a Jonathan Davis narration, I thought I'd give it a go. Um, so sorry about that. However... On the total opposite end of the spectrum for that is the scar, where you you told us uh, when we were arranging this podcast, you mentioned the scar uh, as as a, a recent audiobook that you narrated and that you uh, enjoyed a lot, yes. I guess. Uh, yes. And for me, that was just totally, utterly the opposite because. Uh, Again, not to give the spoilers all the way through, but it starts off with a guy who is totally awesome and he gets up into these awesome things and there's lots of stuff happening. You go, wow, you know, how are all these going to tie together? You know, he does this thing and he goes over there and he has sex with this woman and he tricks this person and he wins this duel and all that kind of stuff. And you think, well, where's it all going to come together? And then a, a mysterious figure casts a kind of a spell on him but it's a very psychological spell and from then on he's not the awesome character anymore no. he is to totally stricken with cowardice and yes. for the rest of the book <laughs> and this happens like in the first yeah i'm not giving too much away this is like the first yeah. three or four chapters he gets struck with this thing and he's just a total coward and the rest of the book is just massive long descriptions on just how pathetic he is and yeah. <laughs> every every single thing that he comes up against you're like how the hell is he going to do this how how is he going to cross the street how is he going to ride mm -hmm. a horse how is he going to get from this place to the other place how is he even going to like talk to this you know he can't even talk to people and, no. and i thought yeah. that was a just a like instead of like in starship mutiny how you get this captain who's awesome and is just awesome all the way through and wins yeah. just because he's yeah. awesome all the way through yeah. i mean there's just for me that was just totally um trivial in that in, a, in a, <laughs> as a character thing and i and which would have been fine if there was a lot of action but like jesse said most of the action was people standing around in rooms talking about what they're going to do and then rehashing what they just did and planning the next thing again which is yeah you know that's uh, mike resnick isn't the only person who does this i guess that's um it's a style. It's a style. Uh, it's a style. He, 
You know, There's he nothing... doesn't do that with all his other stuff. Yes, exactly. Um, but with, with Kieran Yeager, I thought was just amazing. that And that was a, uh, you know, a collection of short stories put into a novel. And and, uh, and that was, again, that was just totally the opposite of Starship Mutiny, which was, again, maybe that's why I didn't enjoy Starship Mutiny, because I think I was just, I think I was going to be aiming for something or expecting something a bit more substantial, which just didn't turn up at all. Whereas something like The Scar, uh, in fact, let me just see if I can, uh, who's the author of The Scar? I just uh, Sergei Dyatchenko. And his wife as well is equally... Marina, yes. Um, yeah. So the two of them, and then translated by... Someone, oh, let me just find it. <laughs> Eleanor Huntington. She was and wonderful. Then, wonderful translation. You know, yeah. this is a, a book... I've never seen a book with this many reviews um, on Audible before. Maybe what, that's a Scar, new thing. But, yeah, Scar. there's 144 uh, wow. reviews... Uh, and ratings, you know, ratings. It's, yeah, it's yeah. really, really good. I really enjoy, it. and it's totally different from from like you say. It's it's it it's is. not set in. Well, I kind of guess it is kind of set in medieval Europe, but it's like mm-hmm. it, you know, almost the setting kind of doesn't matter. There's very, very little description of the setting. There's mm-hmm. almost like no description of the wider politics, and it's not about kings, and it's not about this. No. It's about a guy, and he's like, oh, there's a guard, and you realize he's in this provincial town, even though he thinks it's the center of the world. But then he goes out and then immediately it's just so like the the whole story just narrows down to just him. And then near the end, about from about from about the last third, it kind of widens out again and you get like a wider story once. But only once he is starting to get to grips with his cowardice and sort of kind of starts noticing the rest of the world coming in is when the rest of the world the story of the rest of the world does come in a bit more um but yeah i thought it was i thought it was an amazing story i'm gonna i'll be reviewing that next on my i podcast. love a, well and i love the scar and, and it's funny t- talking about i mean yes um the that resnick series is a bit by the number or by you know it's you know in, in terms of uh, uh by the book or by the number in terms of how it how it uh is established I think that what I love about the scar um, is just it it has that almost an existential you know questions that it brings up about and they they just uh, are they resonate in a different way. Mm. But uh, it, I'm gonna have to check that one out. Yeah, I really do think you should. It, it is it really great. It, but also, again, because it wasn't it, because it's written as a Russian uh, couple who wrote it. I guess is it Russian? I'm guessing the Russian. Ukrainian. Oh, Ukrainian. Okay, mm-hmm. well, okay. Uh, it just says here, it's a, uh, one of the reviews, it says, uh, uh, intensity reminiscent of the finest Russian literature. That was just, I just had Russia in front of me here. Uh, but no, it, because it's not a standard story and it doesn't kind of stick to the standard story, storyline or story tropes that you'd normally get in, uh, yeah. like modern fantasy. I really had no idea where it was going. Like not no. even just at the beginning, all the way through, I was just like, oh, well, what's going to happen now? And then he gets, he yeah. turns up to the school and I'm like, oh, they're going to do like the Harry Potter magic school section. <laughs> that was <there> again. <laughs> And then something else happens. I thought, oh, now it's a conspiracy theory. But what's the conspiracy? Oh, and now it's this other kind of magic. And then at one point, I was convinced. It's like, is this is this going to be a zombie story for the last section? And it, and it wasn't. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to put anybody off. But it really is a book where at the end you think, if this is suddenly all zombies and vampires, I would be totally fine with that. <laughs> In a you know, and, and but go with it. A lot of people don't, you know, it's funny because just the subjectivity of what people enjoy in audio, I'm, it, it, that's, a, that's a very curious question because I know a lot of people uh, would not enjoy The Scar because it isn't a zombie, you know, you know, you, you can't, uh, it's not an easy story to understand where it's going. It's not a predictable tale. Um, 
And uh, it's I tend to enjoy the stories. I think this is to answer Jesse's question from before in a way, the ones that I really enjoy. I really enjoy stories where when I'm storytelling that have kind of a dystopian view, uh, a, a supernatural edge to it and things that are a bit more personal and almost um, that that have a pathos to them. You know, yeah, you know that that that's kind of matches the story that you narrated for us, which is, you know, uh, it's it, I, I I said, well, how about this? And you said, oh, okay. And then I said, <laughs> oh, wait, Ray Bradbury just died. Let's see what we can get, make something timely. No, no, I don't want Ray Bradbury. <laughs> <laughs> I hope um, I was gentler than that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I I mean, you seemed really excited about uh, about. <laughs> about the H.P. Lovecraft project. I was, uh, I was, yes. Uh, I think it's a really fun story, and um, the uh, language creepy. Is, oh, language wonderful. Is just yeah. fantastic. That's also, you know, it's it's such a joy to do, this is talking about the scar, too. Um, it's the language, you know, when, when language just drives you, you know, and just, um, it encompasses you in a, in, a, in a certain way, you just, you have to trust in it. You know, mm-hmm. just like any kind of, uh, you know, as many actors say, you know, you hear people talking about Shakespeare in the same fashion. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, and just about one, one thing about the Resnick thing. I really liked Rebel. Do you remember the so serious? Yeah. That yeah. was my, that was the one out of, you know, I, it's funny because some of them were a bit, you know, as you said, they were kind of by the book in a way, but Rebel, I thought was the strongest of that, of that, uh, five book series. You didn't you got, have a single page of research for that series right that it's just fun <laughs> yeah it's yeah. there's no it's space opera bunch of characters star wars star trek it is uh fun writing not super deep or uh yeah i, I didn't feel like um, uh, emotionally moved by anything <laughs> yeah but um i you know i'm not much for series either and and i gobbled that one up really you know with gusto mm. yeah the the poetic language in the scar though is it was amazing uh, you know uh, was it the translator eleanor huntington i i don't know what she was working with with the original you know uh, text in russian um but what she did with it was i thought was just amazing and then what you did with it as well that's what i thought was just so great about this like this passing of of different uh, of different uh, things like sergey and maria wrote it and then Eleanor just did a great translation your reading was great and then my like the way I w- again I, I'm not holding me up as the final audience as in you know any, as important yeah but yeah again <laughs> but my interpretation and the way that I was reading it and enjoying it again it was sort of like it was a, it felt like a much more of a group effort than most <laughs> books that I've read and again part of that was because I really didn't know where the story was going so often yeah. you're reading a story you're like oh well at the end it'll do this and do this and do this and if it goes and if it goes where you want, you feel pleased. And if it doesn't go where you want, you feel like, oh, oh okay, I was expecting something better or something more or something different. And you can be a bit disappointed. Whereas this, I was just constantly guessing all the way through. I really didn't understand. And there was then there was that kind of weird, not really, I wouldn't say a love story, but certainly this relationship which develops through it. Yes, uh, yeah. And again, I, I was like, it was one of those times where you just think, they're not going to go in that way. They're not going to, no, they can't do that. They can't do it. And they pulled it around and they and they took it in the way which i was kind of hoping for but also dreading for and they did it in a way which was way better than i ever imagined um so yeah it's a, a really interesting uh, really interesting story so well told uh question uh i haven't read uh, any greg Rekka novels but i've read mm-hmm. a lot of his comic books and i really like oh. his writing uh in in comics uh 
what are they? You did two of his novels. Are they any good? They were. Uh, they, they they were the second one that I did. I, I spent a while. I, I believe one's called Patriot Game, uh, Patriot Acts, and Walking. Uh, the Walking Dead. Dead. Walking Dead. Walking yeah. Dead was very good. Walking okay. Dead was very good. The same character. See, I came. It was a series, and I kind of came into the middle of it. So there was a lot of backstory that that I, I you know, I just did not know. That's tough um, to do. I think. Yeah. yeah. I've never. I've never said, you know, oh, great, they've changed narrators. It's hard uh, when that happens. I've been in that position where I, I took over for somebody, and, and I tell you, the fans are not, they're no. not happy. <laughs> no. and, well, maybe uh, ha- half yeah. of them will be happy. In the, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, perhaps, yeah. Yeah, but you don't hear from that half. <laughs> so yeah. in that case, do you go back and listen to the previous narrator to see no. what voices they do, or do you just go for it cold? Well, on this one, there was no audio. They just started with with ah. Patriot, so I, I had no reference, you know, unless I read ah. the whole canon of it. So I just started, you know, but I didn't have any backstory. But Walking Dead was an interesting story, you know. But okay. it, it was pretty much espionage and assassins and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Very, you know, Tom Tom Clancy ish. That kind. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a very interesting writer. He he's got a, you know, I, in comics I don't read by you know superhero. I read by author and Rucka is one of the three or four authors oh he's got a new book out i'll check that out because he, he's reliable and he doesn't do superheroes as much as a lot of the other other people and there's not that many uh authors who cross over from you know writing comics to writing yeah uh bo- novels except neil gaiman obviously right oh who's it's, fantastic yeah, yeah. And you did uh, you did one story in the collection that he's in, but I don't think you did his story, did you? It wasn't his story. No, I I, I, I wrote I read a few of uh, a few of the other authors that were included in in the collection. Which uh, one did you, uh, oh Which ones did you do? Do you remember? Oh my goodness, it's I've, been I've, a while. I haven't got that collection handy. Uh, I know one was called Catch and Release because I. I oh yeah, that's Alan Sarantino's so. story, I think. That was pretty creepy. That was a creepy okay. story. Cool. Do you do and, many? Uh, oh, sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, please. Uh, do you do many of these short story collections where you're just doing a short thing and then moving on? I mean, how does that occasionally, work? Occasionally, occasionally. I just did a, you know, there, there's a lot of these like zombie collections now and, <laughs> and vampire collections. There was one called Hex Appeal I just did. Yeah, that's that, a, that's a most yeah, recent release. I yeah, think. and that was a butcher. So I did his story, yeah, which butcher, was fun. Yeah. It was fun. But once again, I, I had not read a lot of his stuff before. So uh, there was a lot of backstory that I didn't quite. You know, I, I didn't quite understand or or know, but it was a lot of fun to do. I liked his writing, and I liked his characters a lot. The yeah. Dresden file, I guess, it was like the Dresden Files or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and occasionally I'll do I'll do a series uh, where where there's the short stories. That that one, the collected stories that Neil Gaiman edited, was particularly really good. That was just yeah. great. So what's yeah. the longest audiobook project or what's the long like how what's the longest time that you've done either by the final audiobook or been sitting in a studio working in a project? Wow. I mean how lo- how long does it take to do a, a really big book? Well, you know, I think I well I could, that that could that depends, you know, I mean, I could be I think on one project if I went, you know, uh, maybe 6 or 7 days, you know, let's say a week, mm. you know, in terms of in terms of completing something, it may take that long. Um you know, a lot of times people work out different schedules and they, you know, they, they don't necessarily do everything in such in a, in a complete run. They may break it up, you know, and do like three, three days and then take a, you know, come back a week later and do a few more. But uh, it usually takes about, I'd say the average for the longest, you know, maybe, 
maybe something like six or seven days. Okay. Um, or, but, that, but I guess if you do a series, do you, do you like? I'm yeah. just thinking about the um, the uh, book of the new Sun series, which I that uh, was huge. I, I, yeah. Did you yeah. did you read all the way through to the end of the book of the new Sun and then start the narration, um, or did you just read the first book of the four and do the narration and then the second and do the narration? Because I'm just thinking there are lots of like games that are being played there and i was wondering if you were like like because there's characters which double up and you're not quite sure who's doing but that's not revealed until the last book but did you have that in mind when you were recording the first book no i i did not i actually read it book by book in the in that case there are there are cases where i do you know since it's a serial i did it book by book um but there you know obviously there's some cases where it's it's best to know you you may have a nasty surprise if you don't Mm -hmm. you know do your homework um, yeah, because I remember I know, we're talking. Sorry, Karen. Oh, I mean, I know of other narrators running into where a character turns out to be a woman, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, or or they or they're suddenly you, revealed to be a Texan. <laughs> exactly, and they make the choice. That's where people these days it's a risk to do accents, you know. Sometimes yeah. you have to be specific. You know, have to be very sure what you're doing. In Snow Crash, I I, I may have I may have been discussing this uh, when we spoke last, but. Um, there's the character of Raven who uh, I did not read where he was. I, I was just beginning and I, I didn't read through the entire book yet. Uh, well, I was just starting out narrating. It was one of my first books. And I thought my my take on Raven was that he was a Rastafarian. You know, that was where I was going to go with it. <laughs> he's Japanese and though, isn't he? It, he's, he's, he's an, he's he's an Japanese illusion. Rastafarian. He's, oh, he's actually, yeah. he's, he's actually, you know, I mean, he's an Inuit. Right. He's from the Aleutian Islands. So that's what he was, you know, and here I am doing this Rastaman kind of thing. And it, you know, yeah. and I, we had to go back to the beginning and re-record it. Okay. <laughs> you know, so that's just his voices, was it? You just, just recorded his, his stuff. message. Well, okay. luckily, luckily I discovered this, you know, you know, before we got really into it, but for about yeah. a day, that's what I was doing. No, I remember because he he was with uh, hero protagonist's father in Japan or something. I I just remember that's where they that's where they met or something. But yeah, he was yeah. from those islands. Yeah, I, that's interesting because I'm I've written a uh, uh, a series of novels and um, in the first one it's called Minding Tomorrow and uh, there's one character and then there's another character and then there's another character and some people work out like there's a twist about the third of the way through. Not so much a twist, because some people read the first chapter, and in the first chapter, like on the first page of the book, the main character, or the the, the character who you're reading, um, changes his name and then takes on another identity for the rest of the chapter. And then another cha- character is introduced, and then a different character is introduced. And of course, it turns out that they're all the same character, and later <laughs> on, there's other twists to work, you know, it, which explains why this same character is in these different places at these different times, and with different, you know, different storylines. Um, and I thought this is almost impossible to do as an audiobook because I because I don't want to just read them all with the same voice, even though they yeah. would all have the same voice. But I specifically left out descriptions of the character so people reading it don't realize it's all the same character, except that they're they've got similar interests and similar knowledge and similar story and it's really funny that some people get to a third of the way through and they're like oh it's all the same person and other people are like well yeah because on the very first page of the book the character changes (laughs) spoilers there for anyone not reading but how would you go about that if you know that there's going to be maybe five or six different characters who turn out to be the same character (laughs) would you put slightly different inflections on the voice or um or or how would you interpret that yeah sometimes you know it's funny i'll try to to finesse, there are two segments 
to talk about with that. There was the, the Glamorama book, which I mentioned, the Brett Easton Ellis. It was fascinating because the main character, uh, a lot of the passages when he's speaking in dialogue with others, when the, when it was just dialogue, he was a complete moron. He was like Zoolander, you know. <laughs> but then when there were there were passages where they were internal monologues, and he was this just really well, he was just this thoughtful, very uh, just a very bright and intelligent man and i was going this this makes no sense to me and and it was it was confusing you know doing it well it turns out that there's a doppelganger that Ah. he has a doppelganger and he's a completely different character you know and and, you know so well i know i know it's a spoiler in a way but you know i I do get you but it's fascinating to, to 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 you as the narrator i was discovering this too you know because it was a huge book you know, yeah. so we weren't going to read all the way through it. No, I could. I had time. no opportunity to do that, and not not many people do. I mean, when you have a gigantic book, you really just have to go with it. You know, but uh, but yes, in terms of you know, like there are there are books that I do. You know, you you may have like a you know some suspense thriller where there'll be a phone call and you're not supposed to know who the character is. You know, right. and you're not really supposed to reveal it either because if I if it was a character that was so specific, I, I you don't want to reveal that he's supposed to be incognito. So, I, yeah, you try to neutralize it. You, you keep it as neutral as you can. You know, I, I think the listener would, would forgive that. I, 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 there's this one experience I had with uh, a Neil Gaiman novel called American Gods and George Goodall's reading of it. it it's, it's, it's like the perfect audiobook experience because what happens in that book, you know, you've got the god Wednesday, uh, Mr. Wednesday, who's really uh, Woden. Odin, right? Yes, yeah. And he disappears and he comes back. And in the book, you know, it would just say what the, what the, uh, we think w- uh, Woden is dead or Mr. Wednesday's dead. And uh, you turn the page if you're holding the book and you see a voice coming out of a cave, right? Or something like that. Or you hear a voice coming out of a cave and the voice says whatever the line is. Well, George Goodall's got the voice for all these actors, right? And so as a reader, if you're just reading the textual version, you would say, oh, uh, I don't know who that is yet. Mm-hmm. But as a, as a listener, he's, he, as a reader, he's put in the voice. Uh, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and it was perfect. Yeah. It was such a wonderful reveal, even though, you know, I think a normal, uh, you know, regular paper book reading, you would know later. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it was just like, holy crap, he's back, right? Yeah, yeah. And that 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 adds something different in the performance that is is what makes audiobooks a little bit different than, you know, a lot of people who are new to audiobooks, they say, oh, it's not really reading, or they just say something really stupid, right? It's not really I get, reading the I get book. emails about that. Oh. Like, I've just got another two this week, and people say, oh, you said you read The Stand. And I'm like, yeah, but what am I going to say? Like, when, you know, I... <laughs> Because <laughs> it was like there was, I was saying, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of fun listening to the, the to the stand as an audiobook, so I'm definitely going to check out and read more Stephen King books in the future. And it's like, well, you can't read more Stephen King books because you didn't read the stand. And I'm just like, what? I I just don't care enough about the distinction. It's like, you, did you write that to me or did you type it to me or did you tell it to me? <laughs> no, it's like you're telling me something in email, but you're not telling me it. You're actually writing it to me, but you're not writing it to me. You're yeah. typing it to me. You know, and. and and it's a weird thing. It's like, no, I'll just use the language. And in, this, in, the, in the context, people know that I re- listen to the standards and audiobook. 
yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing. And I, it's I, it's I, something that new and people who are not familiar with audiobooks say. This is not a conversation that people who do a lot of audiobooks yeah, uh, just, ever they, ever have. It's well, never they know, a conversation. Right. They know that when it's they're just reading. It's no, reading. I, it's reading with your ears. Personally, I think I get a definitely get a different uh, experience. It is of book different because well, I, it is I've reading. Here's I've, a question I've for you. Many I've read before. Oh, sorry, Karen. I just had a question for you guys. I mean, what 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 type of narration do you all enjoy? Um, uh, Jonathan of... Davis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, just thinking... thinking about when you're talking about, you know, there are people because there are people that say, um, like you were saying, you know, that that listening to an audiobook is not reading or there's that 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 debate about that. But there's there's a debate also in terms of styles you know and that sometimes people go well i i prefer the, you know i prefer a narrator who doesn't do much who just says the words and just reads it and lets you know and then there are others that prefer you know a huge performance and then there are others that just like specific styles or just are uh, comfortable with certain voices or certain modes of storytelling so I was just in curious. So, what the two of you in think. some ways, I actually just I really enjoy like not so much as straight reading, but I don't want the, if in, there's two things. Like, first of all, I don't want the audiobook narrator to get in the way of the story. Mm. Now there have yeah, been yeah, a that's... few few audiobooks that I have started listening to. Well, one or two that I've started listening to that I've just stopped because the voice is just grating on me. And it's not it's not even that they're doing a performance. It's just I think the performance that they're doing is unmatched, isn't matched correctly to the material. Um, <laughs> I, and I think I mentioned it when we were chatting before with this J.K. Nemison. No, what's what's uh, what's the name here? Uh, yeah, N.K. Jemison got the older things, the Hundred Thousand Kingdoms, and the the narration. It all. I almost didn't get to the end of the book. In fact, I stopped for a while and and listened to um, Dune uh, as an audio book because I knew I'd enjoy that. I'd not listened to it as an audio book before, but really enjoyed that. And then went back and like had another run at it. But the 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 narration was totally over the top, and I didn't realize. And I understand now that what I missed, but I didn't realize that N N K Jemison is actually uh, she's a female author which maybe you wouldn't know but it's you know it's a book about females but also she's a uh, she's from new york i think and she's african-american she's a black author and mm -hmm. they obviously got oh well we'll get someone to do like we'll get a um you know an african-american narrator but then the narrator was putting on this this voice which sounded it, it which was totally over the top in some ways where the, like there was this child god which was going oh gee man you know and, and i didn't understand <laughs> mm, that mm. and i didn't get the reading from the book that the reading in some ways was about race relations in the united states and uh, this is what people told me afterwards out on feedback on goodreads.com and uh, you know and other things that mm -hmm. the actual the whole racial ideas in the book which completely passed me by i think because i'm uh, i'm a white British guy um, <laughs> kind of passed me by. Um, whereas, uh, whereas I think other people might have got a bit of that, and I under now I understand the casting. Whereas I think the next audiobook that I listened to like a week later was um, Zoo City by Lauren Bukas, and she is from South Africa. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, I'm just generalizing here. She's writing a black character. I guess she's black South African from Johannesburg, and the narrator that they got for that book was obviously from South Africa, or if not, was doing some really amazing South African voice work. Mm, and that mm -hmm. just fitted perfectly because it was in the culture. She was reading about, I mean, she was 
uh, it was written about Johannesburg and she was obviously from South Africa reading it. And I was actually listening to the book while I was in Johannesburg and traveling through Africa, which I sort of planned. Um, so, so I was reading the book as I was in the, in the locations in a way, I was listening to the book in the same locations as it was written about. Um, and that just fitted perfectly. And it was such a, it was such a, a big contrast between the two, even though they were both black female fantasy authors and they were both, yeah, writing books with strong female characters in, you know, and uh, in fantasy book, you know, and it was just such a difference there that one of them, the the in Zoo City, it really brought the book to life, and the other one, it almost killed it dead for me. Uh, maybe that, maybe that uh, is a bit. I don't know what to say about that, but yeah, like if you're doing a fantasy book, doing it with an American <coughs> accent, no matter what happens, as a white European guy, I'm gonna find that, like, uh, really European, not white European descent, <laughs> but you know. Um, but that I'm going to find that really weird to read a fantasy novel with American accents in it. Whereas when you were doing the scar and when you do yeah. other fantasy, even your American accent is just totally disappears. And, and you speak and it is much more of a fantasy voice. I don't know where it comes <laughs> from. That's, I think that's the point. It's like continental, you know, it's like, yes, yeah. What, I, I, uh, like, uh, yeah, I'll obviously mention that in my review when I review it probably tomorrow or the next day when I'll do this uh, podcast review of the book is that you, you bring out a very interesting and it's not like you're going for Russian or Ukrainian, but it's oh, like no. non, non-specific European. And that's really what I want from a fantasy book. Right. And that's right. not because I'm being racist and that I don't think a fantasy novel should, shouldn't be set in North America or have North American accents. But uh, yeah, I mean, for example, well, I, I read House of Sons and that's a really weird book because <laughs> everyone is, uh, everyone, this is by Alistair Reynolds and everyone is all these ho- houses. Uh, people, there's like a thousand um, clones of a single character. So all of the characters are really in, in at the basic, they all have the same character at their core, but he just gives different accents to all of them. So you can understand, you can tell them all apart. And I don't care that the same character who's a clone of another one, one's talking in an American accent and one's talking in a Scottish accent and one's talking in a Welsh accent. And he, he does like a big tour of accents around the UK. Um, and that fitted perfectly fine with that. And I don't know why it worked in that novel, but other other mixes of accents work with science fiction, maybe less with fantasy. I, I don't know. I want I want that kind of stuff to disappear into the background. There's um there's uh one little thing that I wanted to ask about, and that is so sometimes I'm listening to an audiobook, and the narrator has a voice, and then the character has a voice, and when the narrator is doing the the internal monologue, it does have a different voice than the spoken. So, like, for example, you'd have a guy with an Arkansas accent, um, but when he's thinking to himself about the other people and what's going on in their lives, uh, he just sounds like the narrator. What what do you do in those situations? I don't recall you ever having done that, but mm. I just don't know what I don't know what to think about that. It just feels jarring to me suddenly. Yeah, you know, say, oh, that guy's not the same yeah. guy as the guy who's talking. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's tough. I, I I truly don't know if I've had that experience hmm. as often. What's that? Um, not being able to tell the narrator from a character, or well, the narr like it could be a guy who's narrating his own story, you okay. know, and then whenever he does his own dialogue, he, he says, you know, I said this, and then yeah, he's, oh, that's he talks- that's kind of odd. Yeah, I I think I just uh, it's the same person, you know. I think it just it has to do with the emotion or or the situation they're in. You know, so maybe the narrator is. They always try to get you to do. I mean, like, do you have an do you have an accent in your own mind? <laughs> like, when I'm thinking, I don't think I have an accent, but I also don't think I have an accent at all. 
you, but but is this the first? So it's is the narrator also the character? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think the character should necessarily be different from the narrator, but I think that's kind of like I was talking in Glamorama. It was a very unique circumstance mm-hmm. where the inner monologues were very different from the dialogue. You know, and so it caught you out in that case. And it, it, well, and it was odd, you know. It, yeah. up, but it all comes together. It really didn't. Uh, yeah, it caught me up just as the reader, as the narrator. I was like, "Oh my goodness, what's going on?" I was caught up in the story. It was, it was really thrilling, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in cases like that, where uh, they, they always try to tell you, I, 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 this is one of my huge. When I was first starting out, a huge faux pas was uh, the narrator. I'm. I gave him a very specific voice you know, one of my first books where he talked like this or something like that. Oh, for the well, entire book. Oh, it, oh, it killed me. Yeah. I mean, it was a bit, you know, so they always say, if you're going to, whoever your narrator is, it should be you, you know, it should, you know, you shouldn't really be too outlandish with your narrator. So yeah. that's kind of odd that you're saying like, so then they, you know, they would, the narrator would talk and then he, and then suddenly they go into some kind of odd. Yeah. 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 That's odd. Well, actually <laughs> so, that was, a, that was another problem that I had with a hundred thousand kingdoms. I just looked it up. It was by uh, the narrated by Cassandra Freeman. I often didn't know when the narrator, cause it was like, I, the narrator was a first person narrator. And then when they would switch to a conversation, I, in most of the conversations, I didn't know if she was thinking something or if she was saying something. Mm. And I actually checked the topography in the book. I actually found it in a bookshop and flicked through it. And a lot of the time there was a lots of italics and lots of, you know, you could, it was very obvious in the book where the, the, where someone, if, if the main character was thinking something or narrating something or, uh, or speaking something, whereas in the audiobook it all just melded together. And I was really unsure how to follow some of the conversations there. That it's, uh, a, it's which, difficult to do. It's difficult. I think that, it really comes down to the circumstance that that character is in, you know, and some things, if they're parenthetical, you know, you, you can change your voice slightly or there, maybe it's a subdued tone or maybe you do try to go into your head. It, it really is, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of technique, you know, audiobook narration or narration in general, it, it, it's difficult. You know, a lot of people think that it's, it's, it's simple, but it really takes a lot of a lot of practice, and you do get better at it because uh, I've, you know, I've yeah. I've seen people progress, and they they end up being much better after you know ten or twelve books than Absolutely. they are on their first one. Yeah, especially if they're in a series as well. I've I've have noticed that with with yeah. series of some series of books. Uh, actually, mainly it was the uh, the Sword of the Lictor. No, what was it? The um, Book of the New Shadow. Sun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Shadow of the Torture, those ones. I actually thought that you had it much, it felt to me anyway, you had a much better grip of the yes. main character by the time yeah. you got to the end. Because of course, you know more about him and suddenly mm-hmm. his, like his voice, ha- like what he's saying seems to has more uh, emphasis. No, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, 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 yeah, so that's a bit, well, but you become more what, comfortable. You, you you're yeah. living in their shoes and you understand them. Yeah, absolutely. But you and mentioned we, we before, don't have the luxury. Oh, we don't have the luxury of going back. You know, like in you know maybe in a, if you're doing film or something, you know you'll do like five different takes, you know, or more, you know, and you'll try different approaches. But in in our narration, we don't have rehearsal time. We don't really have the 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 yeah the opportunity or the luxury to go back so often and to redo things or go oh now i feel comfortable let me do those 150 pages this way you know we we just well, can't if the books are, are are extremely popular like the george R. R. martin series right uh, apparently they're going back and re-recording with the original narrator the books that they they transition from wow uh because they are so so popular but that is it's very unusual i mean generally there's just one audiobook release uh it used to be that there would be an 
uh, unabridged and an abridged version. Now, I don't think abridged really happens very much. It doesn't. At all. No, it uh, doesn't. Have you done any abridged since your career? Uh, yes, in the beginning, abridged were, were much more popular, but uh, it's changed. It, it, it has changed. Um, a lot of the Star Wars were abridged. Yeah, that's right. Those were abridged. Um, but not anymore. Apparently not, no. Yeah, I remember talking to another audiobook narrator. I think it was on this podcast uh, in the past. And, and it was funny because they, they had a movie, which was based on a script, and then that was extended out to a, to a, a, a novel length. And then the novel was then put into then they did an abridged audio version of the novel so it was a bit weird that it started off as a two-hour movie Mm. made up into a 200-page book and then that 200-page book was then reduced down to a five-hour audio book abridged audio book so yeah you get these you get these different lengths of the same story from from the movie to the the big the main thing and then back again just with with luke when you were talking about before just about you know listening to a certain voice and 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 saying well that was appropriate you know like this the south african voice i'll give you an example or when you were talking you were commenting on that you know when i do specific books maybe i try to fit into that world and that's there's an importance to that i i did a here's a different scenario actually slightly different i uh a friend of mine is is a wonderful author his name is aj hartley and uh he does a lot of he he does a variety of different kind of genres but right now he's doing a lot of uh fantasy and one of his series is the Will Hawthorne series. And it, one book is called Act of Will. The other is called Will Power. And they're about this young guy who's a – it's kind of this faux Elizabethan world. And he's this – he belongs to an acting troupe. And he's a playwright. And he plays the women's parts, you know, in, in the – you know, it's very much from that period. And he gets caught up into this uh, – like this gang of adventurers, you know, like a moor and uh, – and uh, a uh, a female warrior and and all these different and then like a a, a, a mage and a sorceress and they go on kind of like a D and D kind of adventure mm-hmm. and he's this young kid who's just an apprentice in a theater company. Well, my friend Andrew AJ uh, is from England and he he originally wanted to narrate it at the time uh, because it's his voice. And he is he's from he's from outside of London and he has a very particular dialect. And uh, they asked me to to narrate it. And at first I tried to imitate him. It didn't sound right. You know, after about 50 pages, I said, I'm sorry, I, I I'm not doing this justice. You know, it either has to be him or somebody that can do that or I have to change the voice of the primary narrator. So I just did what I'm doing now. I made him a young American kid. You know, so that's and it and it it fit because the rest of the world were not. They weren't. They were exotic. But he was just this kid. And I just made it my voice. And I felt that it worked, you know, even though, you know, I, I think had he done it, it, it would be his voice. But since I did it, I have to I had to find something that felt natural and real to fit into the world. Does that's that great. make sense? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. Just, I just have one other note that we mentioned before that would be great to talk about. Like how much like that that audio book that that author did he have any comments about your performance or was that purely you or what other do, do you ever like get comments back from um uh, an author about your work which changes it or you know or, or, or like how closely do you work with authors to get the uh, to get the text uh, to get the narration right based on the text? Uh, 
a, a bit more often recently. I mean, and and I think that uh, luckily, it's, you know, a lot of a lot of it's just support. You know, they they're very supportive. But we do get, yeah, I do get. Uh, when I was doing that that AJ Hartley series, I really did want to speak to him. I wanted to make sure that that choice was right too. I said, "Look, this is what we've decided to do. Is this this makes sense to you?" And he was very supportive of it. And uh, you know, the same with working with Jack Weatherford on the Genghis Khan or Paolo Bacigalupi. They've been very helpful in in uh, in defining their worlds that they're creating. Or the Gene Wolfe from the Gene Wolfe series. He had such arcane words, you know, that I really yeah. wanted to know to make sure that I was on the right track with it. In his case, he was like, ah, do whatever you want. <laughs> you know? But then yeah, there are other because, people that are much more cause, specific. Because I was because I, I read the first book as, you know, as a paper book. And then I listened to the uh, audio book and there were some words I was like, what's that? And then I went, oh, no, no, you just got a totally different pronunciation to my pronunciation on that <laughs> on those specific uh, like I say those arcane terms for uh I can't even I can't even think of any off the top of my head but what is the right. destroyer is it the destroyers or something with the, the mounts that they oh, I can't even think now but yeah there's uh lots <laughs> lots of arcane language in that one so absolutely yeah there's one one last uh, kind of audiobook I wanted to ask you about and I noticed it was a recent uh release on audible uh, there's a novel called Sighting by C.J. Shira. Is that how yes, her name is? Yes, or Cherry. Is? I think it's Cherry. Cherry. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually her name was just Cherry, but they stuck a H on the end, so it was more noticeable and sounded more ah. exotic and didn't sound so female because she was doing science fiction. And if she had a, uh, a female name, so, so Cherry <laughs> looked too female, but Cherry with a H on the end suddenly became a, right. a, a non-specific, uh, non-specific name. So, yeah. Uh, okay, so C.J. Cherry's book is narrated by two narrators, one male, one female. Right, right. right. Um, this is a, 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 there was a little audiobook company out of Florida uh, called Book of the Road, and all of their audiobooks were one male, one female, one uh, one doing either the main narration, or um, if it was not told first person, uh, just switching off based on who was the main character in that scene. And it was a really cool uh, way to do an unabridged audiobook without having, um, without having a uh, you know a full cast. But yes. you know, one 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 all the the female doing all the female roles, the male doing all the male roles. And right. how did how how did you do this project? Is well, it in, like in that? The, it's a little different with that case, that specific book. I, I have been involved in other audiobook projects where. Uh, where there is where we do alternate roles, you know, and or or voices, you know. So if if the primary voice is is from the a female point of view or from the male point of view, we we do change that chapter to chapter. And I have I have been involved with books. That specific book is a little different because all I did was I did technical stuff. Gabra Zachman, wonderful actress and narrator, she did the she was really the primary voice. I just kind of did these things. There were all these like a archival. Um, entries uh, regarding the science that was done in this world. You're the and info dumper. It, pretty much, yeah. All right. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. some books that do that really well because, like, it, was it Gateway by Frederick Pohl? That's got a lot of like excerpts from yeah. uh, advertisements and magazine articles and stuff, which <laughs> which are dropped yeah. in there, which is a it, it, very interesting. I, I have not listened to that as an audio book, but I, I I do remember citing. I did read it maybe 
20 years ago? No, maybe not. Book. Maybe 15 it's years ago or something. 36 it's, uh, hours. Or yeah. 37 hours almost. Huge. So, well, it, I, think it was a, I think it was a series, actually. There was like three, I think it was three shorter books originally. I'm actually just say, talking off the top of my head. That might be totally false. A Hugo winner for 1989. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, did you read the whole thing or just your, your parts for it? Oh, only my parts. <laughs> okay. Only those snippets. Yeah. Yeah. But we were in contact. I mean, you know, we, we had to be on the same page. I had to understand the language that I was describing. So mm-hmm. I would speak with Gabra and with uh, Miss Cherry. Yeah, you don't want to have two different pronunciations of the same. Right, right. Uh, that is a major gaffe. Um, you know, the, the only other kind of audiobook that I think is super, super awesome, other than basically uh, just unabridged single narrator, uh, is what full cast audio has done. Have you ever heard a full cast audio audio? I have, I have not, I have, but I have not been involved in those kind of multi no. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, they, I believe the way they do it is they, they have everybody around a table with microphones and they just yeah. perform the whole book. It's wonderful. Wonderful. It's not amazing. It's like, yeah. it's an, ama- it's a, it's like an it's amazing theater. idea. Yeah. yeah. It is a the- I mean, I think audiobooks are kind of performance <laughs> art. Uh, like a the you know a one man show right but um that that is a more theatrical version and it, it gives you the community uh effect yes maybe that yeah. would be I, I assume being an audiobook narrator is kind of like being a reader just a regular you know person sitting at home reading a book because you're alone with the book um and that's not usual for actors usually they're working with a group true uh, true it's it's a bit weird i i listened to the audiobook of dune i mentioned that before i didn't actually review it uh, for the podcast but i will get around to reviewing it for my podcast at some point but what was so strange was parts of it were the full cast kind of thing where mm-hmm. like each each character had their own actor and that was really good but then at other points it was just narrated. I think Scott Brick was the narrator. Yeah, it is. Right. Here. Um, yes. Great narrator. And other parts, it was just him. However, it was like within the same chapter, parts of the scene would just be him doing all of the voices and the narration. And ah. other parts of the same chapter, it, it, it switched to a full cast audio. And I never understood why some parts were like that and some other parts weren't like that. But it was so weird hearing the actor's take on, say, Paul Atreides' voice. And then to Scott's, Scott Bricks, like the, the main narrators, his own take on the same character in the same scene, but a different voice. So, it, But it was strange that my brain didn't even pick up on that, that change mm. from one to another. Sometimes it did, but it would continue for a while. And then for about five minutes, I'd be like, oh, it's just gone back to the one narrator. And then a few minutes later, uh, you know, maybe half an hour later, it would switch back to the other. And I wouldn't notice it for another five or 10 minutes once it switched back again. So I think that's, that's a odd. good sign. Yeah. That's a yeah. good sign in both ways. But uh, yeah. But also, I think it was because I, I've read Dune maybe five or six times now and listened to it once. Maybe it was because I knew the book so well that I wasn't relying so much on the narrator because pretty mm-hmm. much all the conversations I know what is like every line that they say, I can kind of remember what the next line is going to be anyway, or, you know, picture it in my head anyway, all, all the way through the, to the end of the scene. Um, was so, he pretty and, neutral? Was he neutral? Was Scott neutral with his depictions or was he trying um, to, was no, he vastly... It, no, uh, when when he the... was doing uh, some of the what's it the um, fired Ruth or whatever his name is. So there's there's these different things when like Fayed Ruther. Fayed oh. Ruther. Um, is that is that the cousin? No, I can't remember he's, anyway. He's uh, was he the eunuch? Uh, no, who's who's the eunuch character anyway? Fayed uh, is the nephew. Yeah, he's the, the nephew. Sting in the movie, right? Yeah. 
Yes, Stan, uh, yeah. yes. No, but no, I just... But I can't, Rab- I can't, Raban is a cousin as well. I yeah, think. yeah, I can't remember who the, the, the eunuch character is who's who they get to... Um, Right. I can't remember. Right. Anyway, but he he's got like this. He's got this. Mm, ah, well, mm, well, you know, he's a really slimy <laughs> character, very powerful, you know, because he was also he was going to be the the more deep character. He was going to be the uh, Quasix Hadarak or whatever it is. Um, but then it didn't work out. So that's why he's a he's a, a eunuch. So he can't breed. But it's really strange to hear his voice with Scott doing that voice and then an actor doing the same voice because it's such a overblown it's such almost like a cartoon villain but it isn't but both of them have a different take on such a big character um yeah. although saying that i can't remember his name so um yeah we did yeah. a not, not not a little different but i did a series where um a different narrator picked up the storyline because each arc was from a different character's point of view but it was mm. the same world and the same characters so I remember I, I started with like book five and there was a there were a variety of narrators. There must have been about seven or eight narrators doing it. And um, so but I was in contact with the people that that did it before me. And I said, well, how what was your approach on this character? What was your approach on this character? So, you know, he told me and he you know, everybody has their their ways of defining what they're like. So I, I did exactly what he told me. And then, like he said, well, this character, he's kind of a he has a slight brogue, you know, he's so I was thinking, oh, like from the Highlands or something. (laughs) So that's that's and I did. And he did it for me. And I did exactly what he did. It turns out as I'm because I had no idea who the character was. It turns out he's from the islands. He's like a Jamaican. You know, so but that wasn't my choice. He made the choice to make him with a brogue. But so you started it with that voice and you're like, wait a second, he's well, I'm Jamaican. <laughs> I had, well, I, I, cause that, and then it's like, well, why did he choose to do the Scottish broke? Yeah. But I have to do what he did, even though yeah. it may not fit with really the description ah. of the character. So you have okay. to be, you know, there, there has to be a consistency. Otherwise mm-hmm. he'd have to go back and redo all his, all the books, you know? Yeah. So it's just kind of an oddity, you know, in terms of, you know, how you, how you mesh with somebody else's yeah. interpretation. Well, uh, Jesse, um, uh, I think we've been going long enough. I think we yep. should. I'm, I'm walking out of here. You told me to you, tell you. You walk out. Wa- I'm going to ask uh, <laughs> Jonathan about the weirdest audiobook I've just discovered of his. No, I'm not. I'm not really going to walk out, but we can. We. Yeah. I'm just going to say we'll wrap up soon, if that's okay. We're wrapping up in a moment. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I've seen. I'm seeing uh, two four-minute or three-minute-long audiobooks. One in Spanish, one in English, and I think <laughs> in the same story. Uh, yeah. Quinto's neighborhood. Quinito's neighborhood. Yeah. Quinito. Yeah, Quinito's okay. Neighborhood. It was just a uh, just an, a bilingual book for a very short book for for children. Uh, one version was in Spanish, one was in English, and one was uh, bilingual. It was just kind of an instructional, you know, almost like you know, uh, see the dog run kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was all Quinito. Yeah, so there's not that many uh, uh, foreign language audiobooks on Audible, is there? Have you done all, many? There are some actually, like I, I have, I have not, um, there, there is a market for it. And there, there are, there are narrators, friends of mine who are, who are Spanish speaking or, or other languages and they have done it. For instance, there's a wonderful book called the, the brief and wondrous life of Oscar Wow by an author named Juno Diaz, who, uh, is Dominican author, Dominican American. And, uh, I narrated the, the English version, which has a lot of Spanish in it, uh, I, I do speak Spanish, so it was fascinating to do. But there is a version of it which which was another narrator who is who does it all in Spanish. 
So there, there are, and you know, and he was chosen uh, to do that. Wonderful narrator. That's cool. that takes one audible credit. It's a four minutes, and it costs yeah. one audible credit. I kind mean, you can, buy, odd, you can buy it for two dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, uh, Jesse, do you like computer games? I do. Uh, why do you ask? <laughs> oh, I don't know, because that was the question that uh, Jonathan asked us when we chatted right. early, uh, before right. when we were planning this podcast. So, Alan, Alan Wake, you're gonna you're gonna tell me what point in the trailer uh, you you appear, right? You're you're the bad guy in the latest Alan Wake movie uh, uh, game. In the latest Max, one of the Max, Max Payne. Why am I saying Alan Wake? <laughs> I was gonna I'm say sorry. what what you're talking Max about. We never Payne. you never <laughs> mentioned that Max Payne, yeah. This Max is Max Payne. Yes, I'm. I'm. I play one of the villains uh, in in Max Payne, and we. But you say uh, you don't only do the voice. You actually did the, the you did the motion capture act. No, I did, motion capture acting as well. Yeah, we did the motion capture action. It was it was shot on a green against the green screen, um, and uh, so what you see there is me. It's just it's animated to my physique, and and it's pretty fascinating. Did they uh, give you prop guns or? Yeah, we well, we had car, you know, like you know, like for instance, if there was a car chase, you'd sit in a box. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I had a box with... is really exciting. Did it feel like you're doing like a, a physical theater production in college or something? It's like, oh, look at this. Yeah, thing. Yeah, it was fascinating. It was, it was, it was phenomenal. It, you know, it's just really, you know, we we were dressed like we looked like people out of the movie Tron. You know, our suits on, and. um and we would, you know, we would we would do these weird things. It was, you know, it was just like any kind of. There were cameras all around, and um, and it was like uh, it was a film set. You know, it was really just that that we just had. If we had a prop in our hand, you know, maybe it was like a a piece of uh, a piece of foam or something like that, or a rubber gun, you know, or something. And um, but we saw we would see the dailies, and it was fascinating because the dailies had everything in it. You know, eventually. Um, in the beginning, which we were just stick figures, but eventually you could see the the burning favelas in the background, and you could see the action, and I couldn't believe it. You know, I said, "That's me." You know, I'm, it was yeah. like down to the the gray hairs on my head. You know, I can see. Could you, or, could you recognize? Could you recognize your own uh, movements in there? And you were like, I mean, could you recognize your not just your voice, but like you were actually like, yeah, that's what I do. That's what I do with my hands. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, would, I would say like I knew that because that was that was my gait and that was my physique. You know, it was like that's yeah. my body. That's you know, that's a you know, I had a haircut. and I was like, oh, that's my neck fat. You know, <laughs> I could just see it. You <laughs> are know? you are you like in silhouette. Vladimir Lem? Is that your character's name? Actually, it's it's kind of weird. I mean, I, I, I there was I, I was Vladimir Lem in, in two in in Max, Max Payne two. two. Okay. Max Payne three. I'm Arm, I'm Armando Becker, but the credits are wrong, so you can't ah. go by the credits. Okay, I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry. And yeah, the Wikipedia. That, that, unfortunately, that's not up if to date. That, it's it it oh the Wikipedia entry is Vladimir Lem so this is Max Payne three, um, and I still may be listed as Vladimir Lem but really I play I I actually am Vladimir Lem in it also but I'm also Armando Becker that's the main character. Despite so, you, what so, you, <laughs> so you weren't you weren't just uh, cast in that role. It's like oh we know this guy can do this character and do this character because I guess it doesn't really matter. Well okay, no, it, it matters actually, kind of what you're like. But you were brought back in because they'd worked with you before. Is that actually the way it worked? no? N- no, it didn't work out that way. I I, ah. this, uh, I was brought in. I auditioned for Armando Becker, and uh, I I was a long process, and finally I was cast. And then yeah. as at the at the at the I remember when I went in for my first filming, they went, John, I can't. We we didn't even read. They didn't even. They had no ah. idea. They didn't see the casting the casting list or anything. Well, they like did. That. Yeah, they they didn't put it together. You know, ah. they put two and two together that I had been played volume because vladimir lem uh was just my voice 
Right. So, but but Armando Becker physically, it's it's who I am. It's it's the motion capture. It's it's who I. It's it's me. Does so, any, has anyone recognized that? Hey, wait a second. Vladimir Len is is it was the bad guy, but it's being voiced by the same guy. <laughs> like, I don't well, know. only only people that. Yeah, I'm sure if people, I, I maybe maybe that's. I, I really don't know. I don't know the answer yeah. to that question. Okay. But it, but but Vladimir Lem looks nothing like me, <laughs> so it was it was great to kind of be be involved in both characters. That's cool. How yeah. many thousands of hours of dialogue do you have for all the interactive stuff? Boy. That's that's what I hear is is it's just hundreds and hundreds of lines, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's that's excessive. I don't I don't know about that. We did go in and maybe maybe they reuse things over and over. You know, I really don't know. I'm not that okay. familiar with that world. You haven't played it. I, I, you know, I don't have. You haven't played yourself yet. <laughs> I played Max Payne two. I did play that, and that was a lot of fun. But I haven't played the the newest game yet. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. <laughs>